Amen, amen. All right. Uh, you can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 so long. And as you find Matthew 7, I'd like to introduce you to another song. If you have your hymnal, you're welcome to turn to page 346 or number 346. And uh, you'll have to forgive me. This, it's a newer song to me as well. It's a song I've heard before, but I don't think I've ever sung it. Uh, I know we haven't sang this in our church. I don't remember singing this in any church, to be honest with you, but it is a lovely song. I've heard it on CDs and, and uh, the radio kind of stuff, but I've never, never sang it myself. I've, I've <clears throat> been learning it on the piano. Uh, some of you know I'm trying to teach myself a little bit. Megan got me started with the piano, and I've been uh, pecking at the keyboard here and there, but I, I'm not sure that I would be able to carry the tune, but the message that this song has uh, is so powerful, and it fits so well with our subject this morning. Uh, you can see by, by the title of the video, we're going to talk about prayer, specifically getting answers to prayer. So let me just familiarize you with the words to this. <clears throat> Teach me to pray, Lord. Teach me to pray. This is my heart cry day unto day. I long to know thy will and thy way. Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. Verse 2, power in prayer, Lord, power in prayer. Here mid earth's sin and sorrow and care. Men lost and dying, souls in despair. Oh, give me power, power in prayer. My weakened will, Lord, thou canst renew. My sinful nature, thou canst subdue. Fill me just now with power anew. Teach me or power to pray and power to do. The last verse says, Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. Thou art my pattern day unto day. Thou art my surety now and for aye. Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. And the chorus is lovely. Living in Thee, Lord, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and Thou in me. Constant abiding, this is my plea. Grant me thy power, boundless and free, power with men and power with thee. I think it's a tremendous, tremendous song. It's a lovely tune. If I could uh, remember how to keep it, I'd love to sing it for you sometime. But that brings us to Matthew chapter 7. And we'll begin reading in verse number 7 this morning. Forgive me, I need to cough a little bit. And I don't want to undo all of this, so cover your ears for a second. <coughs> all right, I gave you a warning. Matthew 7 and verse number 7. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him. 
And then I'm going to include verse 12 in this sermon. Verse 12 says, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And with that, I'd ask you to please bow your heads with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for allowing us to have what for this day we're calling a church service. Lord, we miss the assembling of ourselves together. We look forward greatly to the day when we can enjoy that, the fullness of that assembly. Father, with even greater joy and anticipation, we look forward to seeing you face to face and we can truly be gathered with all the saints that have ever been. Until that time, Lord, we need to learn how to pray. The disciples asked you one time, teach us to pray. Lord, that's what we're asking. Teach us something about prayer today. Help me to preach. Father, prepare the ground today that the seed of the Word of God might fall into good ground and bring forth fruit. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this passage is filled with great advice, great lessons about prayer. That being said, I want to make this clear. There is no one passage or one verse that you can turn to and learn everything you need to learn about prayer. I've, there's never been an exhaustive book written about the subject. I have known pastors that have preached on the subject of prayer. I knew one man who preached on prayer every Wednesday night in, their, in his church's midweek service for three years straight. 156 sermons straight about prayer, and never did he go to the same verse twice. He preached it from a different text, a different context each time. There's so much that needs to be said about prayer. We're not going to plumb the depths of that well in just this one sermon. You might remember a few weeks back as we've been going through this Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, we talked about God's guest room. And I hope you've been spending time in your prayer closet. Today, we are going to approach this subject of prayer from a different angle using these verses, of course. And we're going to talk about getting answers to prayer. We have some wonderful promises in verses 7 and 8. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Now, if you take those English words, take the first letter from each, you, you come out with A at the beginning, S at the beginning, K at the beginning, A-S-K, ask, which is the meaning of prayer. Prayer means to ask. It means to request something. And these are wonderful promises. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You take these kind of exceeding and great, precious promises and put them together with other promises, such as Mark 11, verse 24, a verse you may be familiar with. Jesus said, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, when you take verses such as that, verses such as 7 and 8 in our passage today, I'm afraid what some people do is they ignore the rest of the passages and great verses about prayer, and they 
grab the goodness of these verses and allow their imaginations and sometimes their desperation to, to come to a strange conclusion about how prayer operates and how you can get answers to prayer. In verses number 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. What is it? Well, the assumption is made, it is whatever I desire. Because of Mark 11, whatever I desire, if I believe that God's going to give it to me, He will. And if we do not examine these verses within their contexts, if we do not look at everything the Bible has to say about prayer, if we only form our opinion of prayer from two or three verses in the Bible, we're in danger of coming out with a very strange-looking uh, prayer closet. Who's in charge? If you think about this, if we can simply ask and say, God, I want this. God, I want that. If that's all we had to do, we'd ring the bell and God comes a-running and does everything we ask, who's truly in charge? That would be a very strange an awkward prayer closet. This lesson today about how to get answers in prayer, this is not a lesson on how to manipulate God. There are no magic words. There's no special geographical location that you can go to and, and say these, uh, a certain pattern of words and then automatically everything you want will be granted. God is not a genie in a bottle. And today I think there's some very deep, rich lessons in this passage that we need to consider uh, so that we can learn more about prayer. Now today we're going to talk about getting answers to prayer. Can I just let the proverbial cat out of the bag right away? Guys, every prayer, every prayer, every genuine prayer that you send up towards God, every prayer gets answered. Not every prayer gets answered the way you want. Not every prayer gets answered when you want. But every prayer gets answered. God always checks His inbox. God's ears are not deaf, right? He can hear what we're saying. And He does take it in. He considers it. And we need to look in this passage today and find not how do we get prayers answered the way we want. We're not learning how to manipulate God. Rather, when I say getting answers to prayer, I want to talk about this. When God answers the request that you made, how should you deal with the answer He gives you? Right? You're going to get answers to prayer once you get it. Once you receive that answer, now what do you do with it? How should you understand the answer that God has given you? So we're going to go a little deeper into this subject of prayer today, I believe, than, than simply I say it and God does it. Or as some people would say, name it and claim it. That's certainly not how biblical prayer works. In verses 7 and 8, wonderful promises. But verses 9, 10, and 11, 12, I believe, is also is going to fill us in on, on how, how this matter of prayer works really works. First of all, I want to draw your attention to verses 9 and 10 and bring out this point. We have to see our connection to God. When you're understanding 
God answering your prayers, you have to understand you have a special connection to God, a special relationship. In verses 9 and 10, What man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? The same thing in verse 10, a request, will he give him a, a serpent? No. And then in verse 11, he refer, Jesus mentions that he, he appeals to, to the fatherly instincts of these men and says, you guys are evil, you're, you're sinful men, fallen men, imperfect, and you would not mistreat your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask? When we pray, we have to remember this, that God is more than just our Creator. He is our caretaker. He is more than just the King of the universe. He is our Father. We have to factor in that connection that we have to God. He is a Father who's willing to listen. He's a Father that's willing to listen. Now, I, I, I can't go on without saying this. If you've never been born again, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, which means He would be your elder brother, making God your Father, then the subject of prayer is going to remain quite a mystery. As you would address God, He is still your Creator. There is still a connection of sorts in that as one of God's creations, God looks down with pity and mercy, and, and the Bible says He lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust, right? He lets the sun shine on the evil and on the good. God does have a, a, a sense of mercy, right? And love even towards His enemies, the Bible says. But when, a, when an unsaved sinner prays to God and says, God, help me with this, help me with that, I'm sure you can understand that God up in heaven looking down at your situation, He's thinking, yes, I see that you have those needs, that you're lacking certain resources or you need wisdom in a certain situation, but you're failing to address the elephant in the room. As you pray and say, God, help me with this, help me with that, God responds back and says, I would like to help you with something much greater. You and I do not have the connection, the relationship that I intended for us to have. So I would much rather that we talk about something else. Let me illustrate it with this story. I think most of you know the story of the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, the younger brother takes his father's, uh, the, the inheritance that would, fall, uh, would have been given to him. He takes that money and he runs off to the far country. Now, in one way, we can look at this story and, and learn something uh, about it, about, about backsliding, right? A child of God going away from, from the father. But I believe the way Jesus intended that story to be taken, we're looking at a, a sinner who takes what God has provided and runs off into the world, having no proper relationship with God, forsaken that way, he's lost, he's dead in trespasses and sins, and he ends up wasting all of his life on riotous living, and he ends up in the pig pen of his sin. Now just imagine, I think you know how that story turns out, that young man comes to his senses and realizes, uh, I've wasted my life, and he, he runs back, to the father and he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. 
make me as one of thy hired servants. And the father welcomes him back. And the father says he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Right? That's the experience that every sinner at some point in their life needs to have. What if the prodigal son, while he's heading towards the pig pen, writes his father a letter and says, Dad, I, I've wasted all the money that you gave me. I have no intentions of coming home. I don't see the reason for that. I just want you to send more money. You, you tell me, friend, how do you think the father would have reacted to that letter? He probably wouldn't have answered that request. He probably would have written back to his, to his lost creation and said, uh, I appreciate that you're lacking resources, but there's a much greater problem that we need to deal with. Come home. Make the relationship right. Humbly apologize. Ask for forgiveness and then we can move on. As an unsaved sinner, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to deal with that issue, to make that connection, to, to make things right so that God is not only your Creator, right, but also your caretaker, your Father, your Father. You need to see prayer as a means, not of getting what you want, but a means of, of sustaining a long-term relationship with your Heavenly Father. Can I ask you to hold your place in Matthew and turn to Psalm chapter 103, just for a moment, please. Psalm chapter 103. And I'd like to bring out a couple things in these verses. Psalm 103, and look, look with me starting at verse 12. Obviously, God, He is your Creator. He is the King of the universe. He's the High and the Holy One. He's the Sovereign. He's your Redeemer. He's your Savior. All of that is true, but at the same time, we can't forget that He is your Father. As you speak to Him, you need, you need to approach Him with the respect due to a King, with the awe and wonder of the Almighty Creator, but you can also approach with boldness knowing that this Almighty, Most High God cares about you as a father cares about his son and beyond any care that an earthly father can provide for his son. You have to factor that in when you pray. Psalm 103 verse 12, the Bible says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I love that verse as far as the east is from the west. East and west never meet. And if you've been forgiven, if you've been saved, you and your sins, right? Those sins that have been washed away, God says, I remember them no more. You and those sins, they never meet again. You don't show up at the judgment and God brings it back up. He has forgiven it. And thank God for that. Verse 12 speaks of God as our Redeemer, as our Savior. But watch how it progresses into verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. When we, when we pray, 
Listen, if you've been saved and you're one of God's children, as you pray, you need to realize that God is not sitting on His throne with this anger and wrath waiting to condemn everything you're asking for. God, as a loving Father, He looks down and He remembers your frame. He considers your situation. He looks at what's going on around you and He realizes that you're frail, that you're broken, that you lack wisdom, that you don't know how to handle everything. And He doesn't look down in a judgmental way. He looks down as a father pitying or feeling sympathy, moved with compassion for His child, saying, Oh, child of mine, I I feel so bad that you're going through all of this. And as any of you that are dads can, can testify to, your heart goes out and you jump at the opportunity to help your child who is struggling. When you pray and you ask and you seek and you knock, understand that God as a loving, merciful Father, He is, he is moved by what you're going through. The Bible says in Isaiah 63 verse 9 that God is afflicted in all of our afflictions. Please let that sink in for a moment. He is afflicted with all of our afflictions. So when I'm hurting, God's hurting. Jesus in the New Testament, it talks about Him as our high priest. And in Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That phrase, touched with the feeling. It comes from one Greek word, and the word is sympatheo, sympatheo, which you can hear the English word that springs from that, right? Sympathy, sympatheo. It's, it's God feeling He is touched with what you're going through. He can sympathize because one day, 2,000 years ago, God came to this earth in the form of, of human flesh, and He has felt He has felt the struggle of living on this earth. He understands He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And now God can look down with pity and and His heart is moved when your heart is sagging and struggling to bear the burdens of this life. One thing that would break my heart is if my children as they struggle, instead of coming to me, would try to go through it alone. And then later, if I were to find out that my child struggled through their problem and did not come to me and say, Dad, please help, I I would ask, wouldn't you, moms, dads, wouldn't you ask, child of mine, why didn't you ask for help? And they say, well, I just didn't think you cared enough. Oh, that would rend my heart. That would break my heart that my child, listen, did not have enough faith in me as a father to ask me to help. That they did not believe that I cared enough to stop what I was doing and rush to their aid. Moms and dads, wouldn't you do that for your children? Jesus said in verse 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? You and I as parents, we would rush to the aid of our children when they're genuinely in a time of need. 
And when you pray, you need to believe, you need to understand and consider that connection, that relationship you have to God. Yes, He's the omnipotent, omniscient, almighty Creator, but He's also a Father who cares. And when you pray, He leans over from heaven, hand cupped behind His ear. His ears are open unto the prayers of the righteous, the Bible says. When you pray, bear that in mind. Bear that in mind. Which leads me, I think the natural thing to say next is when you pray, recognize the connection you have to God. Approach Him believing that He cares and loves you the way that He has said in the Bible. And number two, recognize the character of God. Recognize the connection. Recognize the character of God. You need to know the God who you're talking to. You need to know what kind of a God He is. You know, I, I think this is an incredibly true statement. The longer I live, the more I see the truth of this. If you had a good dad, and I say good, I realize that's uh, on a, a sliding scale. But if you had a good dad that raised you, it will make... It will make understanding the subject of prayer so much easier because you know how it feels to approach a loving, caring father, somebody who's patient and long-suffering and merciful and, and will jump at the chance to help. You, you understand a little bit better then how God might react when you pray. Now, maybe that wasn't your situation and maybe you didn't have a happy childhood. And I, I mean not to cause you grief in saying this, but then you can learn from those mistakes and you can still understand the subject of prayer. But it would remind me also to say that dads, please do your utmost to be a godly father. It will help your children understand their connection to God later on in life. As fathers, we're evil, we're fallen, we're depraved, but as saved men with the Holy Spirit within us being conformed to the image of Christ, we need to reflect the true character of God. What is that character? What kind of God are we talking to when we pray? This will help us tremendously in our prayer closets, getting the answers to prayer. And when I say get it, I mean do you understand it? Do you get it? Why did God answer me like this? If you know what kind of a God He is, it might help you make sense of it. Is He like the gods of the heathen? In chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus said this, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. The gods of the heathens, they... The way that they approach their gods is simply to repeat mantras over and over again. And this vain repetition, is that, is that what God wants? Heartless repetition, just saying the same things over and over, day after day? Is that the relationship that we're supposed to have? That He's not that kind of a God. That He likes mindless, heartless sacrifices. That's not what He likes. You say, Brother Mike, I know that. I know that the God of the Bible and the gods of the heathens are completely different. Let me, let me use another example. God is not Pharaoh. God is not Pharaoh. I preached a sermon called that some years ago now. But it's a valid point here because I've seen a lot of people, and even myself at times in prayer, 
we look up to God almost in this unbiblical fear. And we think of him as this hard, austere taskmaster. And we were created simply to give him glory and he, he couldn't care less if we're happy. We are just here to, to, to make the bricks. We're just here to go through the motions, to do the service and to make him happy. And it doesn't matter if we're happy. And when we ask God, we, it's almost as if we're afraid to approach him because we know that he's just going to get angry that we ask. God is not Pharaoh. Please don't approach him as if he was. I have known others that have completely given up on prayer because of their concept of God. The idea that they have of God is that God has already planned everything out. Everything that's going to happen in my life, every decision has already been made by God. If that's how you feel about God, then I would agree that prayer seems very useless. If God has already decided the outcome, what difference would it make if I make any requests? Why would I ask, seek, or knock? It's not going to change anything. I knew a missionary some years ago in Malawi. Uh, he was with a different group, and uh, he was of a, a reformed background himself. And I really, please don't, don't jump to conclusions. Not every person that is of a reformed background has this mindset, but this particular missionary did. He, we, we were gathered for uh, uh, some big meeting, and they asked this missionary to pray. <laughs> he was the leader of a Bible school, actually. And when he prayed, I'll never forget it. He bowed his head and he said, I, I can't believe he said this. He said, Oh God, the great and omnipotent sovereign, we know that you've already decided everything that we're going to say and do and that our prayers will not change any of that. But we're going to pray anyway. And I, I remember looking up and looking at him and thinking, if our prayers make no difference, what, why are we doing it? Dads, when your children ask for something, I hope that makes a difference. I hope that you take their request seriously. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul says, let the requests be made known. Well, if God's already decided everything, it would make no sense to make requests. Which tells me something. Not, not every aspect of our lives has been decided. God has decided what God will do. But God has also given permission to the human race, that free will. We can also make requests. We can go to God with the desires of our heart. We can pour out our hearts to God and He will consider our situations. That's the God we're dealing with. He actually cares about what makes us happy. He cares about what is best for us. And even, even the requests that He, right? It's, it's not something that God has put in your life, but something you would like for Him to put in your life. God will listen to that. The Bible says that, that verse I quoted just a moment ago, 
Let your requests be made known unto God. The Bible says next, And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I have a great peace that is obtained through prayer because I know when I go to God in prayer, these requests will be taken seriously. God is not going to just brush them off as a Pharaoh would and say, but I've already decided, why are you bothering me with these questions? Why, why are you talking to me about it? I've already, this doesn't make a difference. God's not like that. Let's learn something from the passage, verse 9 and verse 10. What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Would you give your son a stone? No. Will you always give him bread? Maybe not. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe your son asks bread and instead you, instead you, 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 you give him a, a bag of chips. Maybe he asks bread and instead you say, I'll give bread, but wait a while. The answer may not be, okay, you said bread, here's bread. What we know, though, is God will never give us something that will hurt us. Verse 10, if you ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Well, no, he'll never give you something that will hurt you. What he will do, what he will do, though, is take that request seriously and say, you want fish? All right. Maybe fish is the best answer to this. Here you go. You know what he might do? He might give you biltong. If you're South African, he probably would. He'll never give you something worse. He will give you what is best. You know what he'll give you? Verse 11, it says at the end, he'll give good things to them that ask him. You say, what is the pronoun it in verse 7? Ask and it shall be given you. The it is not what you're asking for. The it is a good, the good thing that the Father decides to give you. And Please understand this, if I can use this illustration. As the dad, right, it's my responsibility to maybe plan out a trip. I can plan a long trip for my family, and I will plan, we're going to stop here, we'll eat here, we'll sleep here, this is our destination, this is how long we're going to take, and then on the way back we'll do these things. I have a plan. As we go, I have a couple kids in the back of the vehicle. You know what my kids are going to do? They're going to say, Dad, sorry, can we make a stop here? And it might be a very necessary stop, right? They may say, Dad, I, I can't hold it any longer. Please stop the vehicle. That is an unscheduled stop. That was not part of my plan. But I am going to take that request seriously. They need a restroom. We are going to find one as quickly as possible. I'm glad that they told me. I would feel horrible if they just sat in the back seat waiting for my scheduled stop. I'm so glad that they know I care enough that they would make these requests known to me. My child might ask, Hey, Dad, I know that there's such and such a place on the route that we're taking. Could we stop there for a few minutes? I would like to see this. I would like to get that. That's an unscheduled stop. It's not according to my plan, but it's not a bad thing that they're asking. If it, if it will fit into the plan, if I can fit that into the schedule, I would love to do something for my child like that. And then my child might ask for something and I say, you know, what you're asking is not bad, but if we stop there, we're not going to make our destination in time, so I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to say no. D do you see that as a father to a child that actually cares, I will take the request seriously. I might say yes, I might say no, I might say later. I'm, there are so many different answers. 
but in order to properly understand the answer that I'm going to give to my child, they need to know their connection to me. I'm a father who cares. They need to know the character of the father they're talking to, that I am going to do what's best for that child. And sometimes it might be saying no, sometimes wait, sometimes I'd love to fulfill the request. The Bible says, and, and can I ask you to get Luke, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. As you find Luke 11, let me remind you, in Romans 8 verse 26, the Bible says, The Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. But He makes groanings, intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When we pray, we may not know exactly, exactly what we should pray for. But we go to God and say, God, please, I need this. I want that. Help me with these things. God's not angry that you asked. And He's not angry. He's not upset that what you're asking for might be outside of His plan. The Holy Spirit goes up to God and begins to talk with the Father, and they say, here's what they've asked for. Here's what our plan was. Now let's see what we can do about that request fitting into this plan. And then the Bible says, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His, His purpose. God has a plan. He has decided what He's going to do. Before the foundation of the world, God knew if anybody gets in Christ, then the Holy Spirit will live in that person and work in that person and conform that person to the image of Christ. God does have scheduled stops. He has he has various markers in your life that He wants you to reach at a certain time. He has prepared certain people to come into your life. All of that's true. That does not stop you from approaching God with your request to say, Father, can we stop here for a moment? I would like this to happen. If you know the overall plan that God has for you, He has revealed it in the New Testament. We know what God's doing in our lives. We know the general direction we're supposed to be going. Then when I pray, I should be praying in accordance with that plan. And if I do, then I have much greater certainty that those prayers will be answered. If I'm praying in a way that is completely contradictory to God's plan, I shouldn't expect much out of that. This is why it's important to be informed about our connection and the character of God so that we understand the general idea of what's happening and which way we're going. Uh, look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. You can see that this is the same type of passage. In verse 1 of this chapter, the disciples say, teach us to pray. So Jesus gives them a few illustrations. And then says, ask, seek, knock, verse 11, uh, 13, I'm sorry. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, did you see the change? In, chapter, in Matthew 7, it says He'll give good things. But then in, in Luke 11, 13, it says He'll give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. Why the difference? They actually go together. Here's the little boy, he comes to the dad, Daddy, Daddy, give me bread. Daddy gives him a bag of chips. Daddy, Daddy, give me a fish. And instead he gives him biltong. You know what the boy might, he might look at that and say, why'd you do this? Why didn't you give me what I asked for? You asked for bread, he gave you broccoli. Father, why'd you give me this? 
You know what you need now? You need an explanation. God, if you understand the character of God, He's not a God that wants to keep you in the dark. He wants you to understand. He wants you to know Him more and more. And this is why prayer is a means, not to get what you want, but a means of sustaining and building a relationship with God. Father, why'd you do this? Moms and dads, how many times have you got that question from your kids? But why? But why? But why? These are opportunities to explain life to your children. When you pray and you don't get the answer you were expecting, this is a prime opportunity for God to help you grow in your knowledge of Him. You can understand Him more and more. God, why did you allow this? Why didn't you answer that prayer the way I was expecting? And then the Holy Spirit steps in. And with that still small voice says, Son, daughter, this is the plan. We love you. And we don't mind that you asked. But this thing that we're giving you is so much better for you in the long run. Trust me as your father. Trust me as the one who's taking care of you. This is what you need, not what you asked for. The Holy Spirit will come in and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And that's where the peace that passes all understanding comes in. Knowing that when I pray, my Father cares about me and loves me so much that He is going to not give me everything I ask for and let me ruin my, my life. He's going to give me exactly what is best so that I stay in line with His overall plan and, and at certain times, God will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. God might, on some occasions, you ask for bread, and He says, tell you what, I'll give you bread, I'll give you fish, and I'll, I'll throw in some ice cream for dessert. God is filled with loving kindness. He's rich in mercy and grace. God will do that sometimes. And you might look at your life today and just, just look around. Look around in your living room. Look around at, at your house. Look around at, at the setting in which God has placed you. Count your blessings. You might just look at Him and say, Why, God, why have you been so good to me? I don't deserve all this. Father, why would you let me have all this? I'll tell you another thing you need to ask. God, now that you've given all this to me, how do you want me to use it? We're talking about getting answers to prayer. How should, how do I get it? How do I understand these answers? Know the connection, know the character. Number three, we'll look quickly at Matthew 7, verse 12. You need to understand that in prayer, there is cause and effect. Cause and effect. Connection to God, character of God, and with God there is cause and effect. Verse 12 says this, therefore. You see, that, that what is the therefore, therefore? That's, that's what we say. Why do he put that there? After telling us about prayer for a few verses, he says, therefore. All things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. This is what we call the golden rule, and next Sunday, Lord willing, that's what I'll be preaching about. But when you get down to pray, God takes into account how you've been treating others. 
moms and dads, he looks at how you've been treating your kids and he says, okay, there's a relationship there, uh, parent to child. Now, you're, you are sowing certain things in that relationship. You might reap it in your relationship with God. God looks at your behavior. He looks at the intentions of your heart and He factors that in when you pray. Just hold your place here. I'd like to show you one other verse in 1 John chapter 3. The golden rule applies in the prayer closet as well. The way that you live, the way that you treat others, it will factor in. It will factor into your prayers. Uh, you want God to listen to you when you pray, yes? You want Him to take it seriously. And as a loving father, anytime a child of His comes with a genuine, heartfelt request, He, he takes it seriously. But let me ask you this. What about a child who's stubborn, rebellious, and hard-hearted? What about a child who's mean to his brothers and sisters? How do you expect the father to react to such a child? Say, when I pray, it feels like God doesn't listen. Well, let's ask this question. When others come to you with pleas from the heart and, and request and says, Oh, please help me. And, uh, can you, would you consider this? And can you do this for me? How do you respond to those needs? How do you respond to the request given to you? 1 John 3, look with me at verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because... Notice, cause. Because. There's a cause and effect. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. What are the commandments that He's referring to? Verse 23, and this is His commandment. And it's a two-part thing, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. That takes us back to what I said earlier. If you've not been born again, you have to address that issue. It will affect your prayer life. And number two, it says you need to believe on Jesus Christ and love one another as He gave us commandment. That factors in to your prayer life. You know, the Bible says when we pray, we pour out our hearts to God. That's what we're supposed to do. But how can you be pouring out your heart if your heart is hard? Your heart wouldn't be poured out. It would fall out. A heart that is soft can be poured out. But a heart that is soft is going to be a heart that is concerned about others. There's nothing wrong with requesting from God various resources. God, I'm, I'm lacking money. I'm lacking health. I'm lacking uh, a job. I'm lacking a, a husband, a wife, whatever. There's, you can request all of those things. But what about when others are lacking something? Is your heart moved? Do you take the resources that God has blessed you with and look for opportunities to help somebody else to be the answer to their prayers? Real prayer will cause you to care about others. And, and listen, if you go to God with this attitude of, well, okay, I'm going to treat others nice so that God gives me everything I want. If, that's, if, if you're going about it with a selfish motive, then your Heavenly Father is not going to affirm that sort of behavior by answering the prayers that, you, you know, the requests you've made. 
But when somebody approaches life with the right attitude, the Father will affirm that good behavior. And that person can expect a much better result in prayer. If I can, just remind you of something I read you at the beginning, and then we'll close. This song, Teach Me to Pray, in the third verse it says, My weakened will, Lord, Thou canst renew. My sinful nature Thou canst subdue. Fill me just now with power anew. Listen, power to pray and power to do. When you step into the prayer closet, if it is your heart's desire to go back out into the world with the desire to be the answer to someone else's prayer, I believe that the Father looks down on such an attitude and will bless that and grant such favor to a person who is genuinely concerned about others. There's a cause and effect to prayer. Folks, this, this matter of prayer, it is meant to sustain your relationship with God. Do you have one? Have you started one? Have you been born again? God is your Creator, but is He your Heavenly Father as well? Has there been a day that you have been born again? If not, please, today, would you address that elephant in the room? Would you go to God and say, God, you've helped me in so many other ways. You've let the sun and the rain come right when I needed it. But God, there's this one thing that isn't right. And I've, been fe- I've sensed it for so long. I need to make things right with you. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I've broken your laws. Please forgive me and bring me home. And I promise you, if you come to the Father with that attitude, He runs down the path with open arms and welcomes you home. Please, sinner, come home. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to learn a little bit more about prayer. And Lord, I've learned this week as I've meditated about this subject and thought on these verses to think of You as a loving Father seated upon the throne of the universe. All that omnipotence and that omniscience, the Almighty God, and yet You still care about little old us. I pray that You might use what was said today to deepen somebody's relationship with You, that, they, that all of us would approach You knowing and believing that You are that loving Father You claim to be. Thank You for all the abundant goodness, the things we didn't even ask for You blessed us with. And Lord, if there's somebody listening that's never been saved, please, God, today, work on that sinner's heart. Save that soul. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.